Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruane, tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to a Tuesday show of Maximum Growth Live. I am one of your hosts, Jay Ruane, a social media marketing lawyer who happens to own not only uh, FirmFlex, which is our social media agency, but also a law firm here in Connecticut that does civil rights and criminal defense. And with me, as always, down there, and I would say D.C., Maryland, Virginia, to Seth Price, who's the founder of Price Benowitz, our co-founder of Price Benowitz, along with a great, great, uh, great criminal defense attorney. Uh, and in addition to that, he happens to own, uh, to be the founder of Blue Star Digital. And I'm looking behind you, Seth, and it looks a little different than your uh, Bethesda and backdrop. Uh, you seem to be outside in a t-shirt, and I have a feeling you're not in Maryland anymore. So where yeah, has Price Benowitz <laughs> opened up their news? Are you in Cuba? Are you in Argentina? Are you in uh, uh, in South Sudan? Where are you to be able to be able to handle uh, the temperatures outside in just a t-shirt? You know, um, we, we realized the kids were on Zoom for the foreseeable future and indoor sports didn't seem like a, an ideal thing. So we pulled sort of a Henry Hill. We picked up the family in the middle of the night, jumped in the minivan and uh, relocated south for a little bit so that we could uh, Zoom and work for some warmth, re-energize. So we are, we're down in South Florida. You know, I, I, I like that. You know, it's interesting. You know, as we have moved all to the cloud, uh, it, it's it's something that is more of an option uh, for many families now that you could actually do something where, uh, you know, and I, and I wonder if coming out of this, if school districts will or private schools will make that a, uh, a selling feature for families. I mean... You know- Maybe, maybe for like a January month, you know, because that, that was one of the things I remember when uh, the family was lucky enough to be in Europe uh, over the summers. You know, the idea that like you could go and tour all day around 3 p.m. You come back, the kids, you know, can rest up and you could start your day and the dinners there are so late. You can get a six hour day in before dinner. And uh, to me, that that was one of those things lifestyle wise. I'd love to see that. Look. We're missing in school classes. It's the reason we're here is the distractions and the the pull of video games when there's you know when it's cold outside was just too great. But uh, I'm hoping it re-energizes me. I have a whole Rolodex down in South Florida. Can't wait to uh, catch up with a lot of good friends and business contacts down here. Yeah, you know it's crazy. As you know, I've fallen into the trap of Peloton, uh, and this weekend I drove seven miles and biked 15.5 so i was on that peloton bike that goes nowhere for a longer distance than i actually drove my car this weekend um and uh the the one the one casualty which uh did not fit into the minivan so we will have to actually bike on the roads and get exercise outside as opposed to uh on the peloton 
I'm a little jealous of that. I'm definitely a little jealous of that. But, you know, thinking about being able to go to the cloud, it's interesting. You know, I, I've been sharing my saga of uh, bringing on as a virtual employee or an overseas employee to be able to help us with our intake. You know, um, the, the problem for us is that as cases are coming in, the need to convert immediately, uh, the, the sales cycle has gotten very long because we're seeing court dates set out till March or April here in Connecticut. And uh, so one of the things is we have a tremendous number of intakes to follow up with and just stay top of mind with. And we wanted to basically make that somebody's job but because the people aren't converting we haven't been able to you know spend the kind of money that we normally take for intake so we look to find a um, a, a virtual assistant or an overseas worker to to fill that role we think we found somebody who went to start today logged into our database and everything was great uh and then said okay so i can't use the phone software because it doesn't it's not mac compliant and so we're we're trying to devise a solution. The person is is trained and, and ready to go, but uh, we don't have access to our to our cloud based phone system on Macs because we use an all works based system. I think that all works is what you use in your office. We do. Uh, and and uh, it's great if you're PC based, but it's not great if you're Mac based, like uh, well, our but, VA but is. But money solves every problem. You know, right. again, I don't want whether Amazon delivers to him, but $600 later, there's a new laptop. Oh, he's in, in Mexico City. He's in Mexico right. City. So Amazon delivers to him. I mean, he's got a he's got a master's in engineering. He's going to solve this problem. But it's just, you know, it's one more wrinkle that wouldn't be a wrinkle if somebody was sitting in the office next to me. You know, the people I've seen most successful so far with the VAs in our individual tasks, what you're doing is pretty bold and I'm looking at it. But to me, there's, you know, it's going to be several steps before you get to, hey, I'm replacing a U.S. employee. You know, for the, what inspired me was some of the stuff like immigration, where you're focused so much on somebody who's bilingual, that advantage of having somebody for overseas, what you had a bigger catchment area to juice from. One of the most frustrating things when I need somebody bilingual and I get a limited number of people, some of whom are awesome, but some of whom I have to take because they, they're bilingual plus maybe enough, you know, would they have gotten the job if they were not bilingual? I love the idea of opening it to the world, but the way I've sort of pursued it is I'm looking at it as not, and again, margins are tight right now with Connecticut criminal. I get it, but I'm sort of looking at it like adding people an experiment, meaning this is not going to be a profit center if they if they work out great. But I want to add excess capacity to see what works and what doesn't. I, I'm not bold enough to think that I can figure out how to get somebody trained and sophisticated enough internationally to actually be able to replace what we have with our training program. That said, it sort of dovetails into our next thing, which is staffing of employees and you know the headaches involved with those um you know one of the one of the topics that i would think in theory i would hope you would have is stability from international employees where the amount you're paying is really sticky the flip side may be that the reference doesn't mean as much so one of the things that we all you and i and everybody else on this call sort of count on for employees is some sort of notice period the idea you know that you know with an international employee if they aren't part of your ecosystem, there may be less of a notice. We just had a key employee give notice. And it was somebody who's, it's a busy time of year. 
We were hoping to have them through the end of the year, but there was a training program. It was a career. They wanted to do something else with their lives, not what we were offering. And two weeks is a brutal thing. And I wanted to sort of throw this out to you. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this over the years, which is as entrepreneurs, if we staff enough so that any person's departure isn't particularly painful, you're probably staffing beyond the necessity to get through the day. At the same time, when you staff appropriately, I put that in air quotes because I don't, that's a, you know, but at the, at the baseline to have everybody in place with no excess capacity, when somebody decides to raise their hand and say, hey, I want to do something in life, you have a moment in time where you may be without that, where you may start putting on the hat to go answer a phone or do something that you wouldn't ordinarily do at this point in your career. How do you balance not spending excess money? profitability, but at the same time, having enough excess capacity to be sustainable where no one person's exit really can affect you that much. You know, this is, it's funny. We, we tend to be thinking about the same things at the same times. And this is a conversation I had with one of my, uh, one of my intake team uh, leader, who's a lawyer who, who runs our intake team. And I said, you know, we're interested in adding somebody, you know, in that quote unquote happiness role that you've heard about. Um, and we actually found that there's some discrete tasks that uh, in Connecticut, we have these diversion programs. Someone has to sort of bird dog those files, make sure the paperwork gets where they have to get. So they're constantly talking to the clients on the tail end of good representation. And so we're thinking that'd be a great person to fill that role. But maybe if we fill that role, they should be cross-trained in intake in case we lose somebody on our intake team. Uh, and, And that's something that I said, you know, wouldn't it be great you know, if, if that person who's bird dogging those files over a six month period could get trained in a little bit of intake. And so, oh, we just lost somebody on intake. We got somebody who can fill right in. Uh, and you can do that with a number of different positions. Uh, and, and we're thinking that might be a way to go. But it gets to the point where it's like, do you want to spend that money? Now, we found a way that we can justify the expense on you know the happiness role who's going to help us get good reviews because quite frankly i'm saying to i've said to to my partners i would rather take $35,000 a year off of my advertising budget and spend it on somebody whose job it is to get us reviews because you could if you're spending that extra 35 or $40,000 on on leads, but those leads are clicking through and they're seeing that you only have 50 reviews and your competitor has 300, they're going to click through on the competitor. So I'd rather have somebody focusing on the reviews as the new currency. Uh, and so that's how we're sort of rationalizing it. Of course, it's a rationalization, you know. Well, it, but- it's just money. Look, I don't think it's a rationalization at all. It's a conversation. Again, we, we live parallel lives. We haven't talked about these things off air, but you no, know, I, I couldn't agree more more that that is now we talk about four pillars of seo the gmb reviews which used to be like hey don't worry about the number size matters yeah. it's, it's it's crazy um so that the fact that size matters on, on size matters on your reviews really tremendously to lsa because on local yeah, you're, yeah, you're showing up there right, and, and, and and they're not clicking through to your website i mean now 
you know, they're getting to a page that Google presents them of all the stuff that you do and the number of your reviews. And so really we need to be focusing on just generating volume of reviews. I got an idea for you and let's talk about gaming that system. Uh, because okay, before, before we jump into LSAs, let's just finish this thought though, which is, you know, I, to me, and I see this, I don't know if you've ever been a waiter. I was a waiter back in the day. And when you, you could make real money as a waiter, I was in America. The uh, it was sort of like in the heyday of the big '80s. Had like all the celebrities coming Wait, in. Wait, in the city, it was a lot of fun. Were you at America in the in city? the city? Ameri- I got a great story yeah, about that I, place. I was, yeah, I, I had a table. It was like Jeff Jeff Goldblum, John Amos, Michelle Pfeiffer, and some other A lister were doing Shakespeare in the Park. I mean, it was a great, great time. But the thing that I remember about it was Arc Restaurants that ran. It was brilliant in that they would have many more waiters than they needed. And that way, if anybody gave them lip, if anybody was sort of causing problems, if anybody was starting to sort of get the bad mojo, they'd be like, done, off the shift. Didn't hurt them. They never needed somebody for that next shift. They had more people than they needed. And I feel like as I've grown my intake, and I've also seen this in the paralegal space, uh, you see this in pre-lit paralegals, is that you look, I feel like where I am today, infinitely better than I was several years ago, but that the ability for somebody to sort of hold you over the fire is not a great feeling as a business owner. And we probably all have too many of those people in our employment. And not that you don't want to be good to people, not that you shouldn't have people that really you count on, but the idea that there's so there we are sort of left with lack of excess capacity so that when we have people go off their meds, which happens more often than I'd like to acknowledge where weird stuff happens, calling out sick at the last moment without justification, you know, taking off in the middle of COVID for an international trip, weird things that literally have taken place in recent weeks for me. The fact is I don't have that excess bandwidth generally. And the only way to do that is to staff additionally, which cuts down on profit margin. But is that one of those things, those truisms that as you grow, while the margin may drop for, uh, in a, minutely, it keeps consistency, which is what's going to allow your business to build and grow over time. Yeah, and, you know, think. I mean, in some respects, think about the at the and it's and it's tough because everyone's at different levels of compensation. But for 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 me, you know, spending another twenty or twenty five thousand dollars of what would be profit, and having that extra body sort of available to take take um, take volume off of my existing people who are great people who might be feeling overworked uh, and, and starting to burn out that's that has value to me Ab- to, absolutely to, to keep the stress <laughs> right. level of somebody has left off of me is worth it and so it's a, just a judgment call that you have to make it's and, and quite right. frankly and you obviously can't do it for every position but it's what look the systems you've created made it level if somebody were to leave but you have there's there's the it's always that gray area it may not be enough that you're going to go out because let's say you get busy thankfully we both had growing firms there are moments when you need to hire an additional person we talk about when you know you need to hire an additional person now you have somebody breaking what do you do and that to me is the worst place because look we know the truism uh you know higher, slow, fire, fast, but we've all been in positions where people have stayed beyond their expiration date. And I'd say the number one time I'm guilty of that is when I have need for additional capacity and then somebody is breaking and you're like, your head starts to explode. Now I need two slots filled and that's a heck of a lot harder to find going with the higher, slow methodology than 
it is if you just need that one. And so I feel like it's when you're in growth mode, very often you see that mistake of keeping people on too long, like guilty as charged. Yeah. And, you know, it's something we talk about, we, we've talked about in the past. You look at some of the uh, more successful uh, sports franchises. We talk a lot about sports as uh, running our firm, you know, and bringing in your A players for a season or two. And then, you know, you're able to your younger players are able to step up into those roles. You know, it's it. You know, a lot of successful sports teams do have that solid utility player who can t- step into a lot of different roles. And, and but they but they don't start. Right. And they're never going to be a starter, but you got to keep them on your bench and pay them a salary to be able to be there. And they're functional yes. in, in a lot of roles. You're Fred Stanley. Exactly. Exactly. That's really what it comes down to. But I didn't know that you worked at America. I got some great stories. I actually wound up after a, at a fundraiser at America back. Uh, John McEnroe was serving me drinks uh, for the Lugano Foundation. Uh, I ate dinner sitting at a table next to Queen Latifah there, uh, and we shared food. Uh, you know, if anybody knows, uh, I'm a big fan of 90s rap. So uh, that, was a, that was a big thing for me. So I love that restaurant. I, I was bummed when it closed down, but I could see the menu was enormous. I can imagine what it was like working in that kitchen that was great but let me ask you a question because this is something that i did 12 on uh tonight uh i have something planned uh and it is i am turning off all of my pay-per-click for the month of december and i am taking all of that money and driving it right into the google local stuff and seeing how that converts because uh you know quite frankly i want to see if as an a b test i'm going to be able to do more with the lsa leads than i am with the pay-per-click leads i mean i think i still have good seo to some extent i know it's not as good as if you guys were managing it um but i've got good placement in the serps uh serp is search engine results page for anybody who doesn't know uh the lingo that we talk about so if i've got good placement in the serps uh and uh and i'm still surviving on that end uh maybe turning off pay-per-click doesn't really impact me and repurpose that money into lsa i I may be able to convert more in the short term i I mean i gotta find the right balance I, I applaud you. You're always a step ahead of the curve. You were the first guy to turn off Avo to see whether that made a big, big difference. It took me another year and a half, I think, to follow suit. Um, I would say right now, I, I think it's a genius idea. Like LSA is where Google's putting its its um, its resources. I think it is underpriced. If you're playing Moneyball, they are going to charge more for those same calls in the future. It's not a free lunch. We've seen in some practice areas a lot. Yeah, that's the a, applause. A that's of, the applause button for that. It's underpriced. If you're not in LSA now, you better get it. You better get there. But I mean, it, it, and, and it's it. But it is. And I had a phone call with a client the other day about this. It's pay per click. It's not a free lunch. Certain areas I've seen are not converting. Certain areas like PI seem to have converted better. But it's it's sort of it, it is hit or miss on a bunch of things. And that again, there's a protocol to challenge your your the leads that don't work. Uh, that, you know, the ones that are not real leads and, and so that you can get the price down, that price is going to go up. So right now, yes, absolutely. I would, my gut is there will be a moment down the line where LSAs, they're going to keep pushing it. And there'll be a point where you're going to be like, oh man, those clicks weren't so bad after all. I, we're not there yet, but uh, I think it's very interesting. What we have seen and I, anecdotally, it is not something I would ready for a white paper on, but what I'm seeing is the cannibalization of pay-per-click is what the L or, or the traditional AdWords or Google ads, they call it, is what we're seeing. We have not seen a dramatic decrease in the organic traffic, the maps and the organic, 
seem to be, despite being pushed down further, still, you know, relatively left alone. I'm sure that that, that you know, the jury is still out and there'll still be, I, I'm guessing that there will be some incremental decrease on that traffic. But that said, what we are seeing is a decimation of the amount of traffic available through pay-per-click. And so, yes, if you, but if you have a pay-per-click button, my absolutely pushing a, a majority to LSA right now. At, and if you don't have a pay-per-click budget, at least seeing whether or not you can get some short-term bang for the buck if you if the time to try it. And frankly, I think it's already not, it's not gone, but it's not the same way it was the first three weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, it's interesting. I just called it up while, while you were talking because I wasn't sure how it looks like. But I think one of the issues with the cannibalization of pay-per-click is how they present it. You know, you've got the three people on the top with their, with their number of reviews. And in the upper right-hand corner, it says sponsored, right? But it doesn't say sponsored by who. Then you go to the pay-per-click. The very first thing you see is ad. And there is a natural inclination to people when they see something that says, oh, this is a paid ad, uh, that they're going to be suspicious of it. So sponsored isn't necessarily ad. And so in that respect, I think that you know Google's using a little consumer psychology there to get people uh, to, to focus on the people at the top of the page because they want that product to win. But, but here's another big but, right? Pay-per-click is... A, is a reverse auction and there could be thousands of people in that space whereas you know local service is you're seeing three people there aren't that many people you you wonder if local service actually does a disservice to their anti uh you know trust violation saying that they've cornered the market it seems like they're you know it, it's it's worse for them more so i couldn't couldn't agree more and look they they couldn't make enough money by just making the ad fainter and fainter. They, if we did this as websites where we hid stuff, and like they have done everything they can to reduce the clarity to d the distinction that it is an ad. They're like, right. okay, we've maxed out that. Okay, let's go to this. We'll get rid of the word ad and put sponsored. I, I mean, it, it's it, the whole thing is, is crazy. But that said, I my gut is we are, and my gut, we are seeing an artificially low price point because they want people into the market. At sure. some point, the Google will be up and they're like, okay, it's time for us to monetize it. But like everything else, they want to, you know, and we saw this again, Avo to get us as early adapters. You could buy um, a placement, which had pretty good ROI back in the day. When they went to the block system, all of that disappeared as they tried to get the money for their eventual sale. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot to, to take in. It's a it, and uh, you know, I went back and forth with these with these conversations with my partners about should we should we just pause pay per click and, and go all into LSA? And finally, I just said, you know what? For us, business is still down. It's 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 down significant. I mean, it's it's down thirty percent from where it should be. Still, at one point we were can down I, I, we were down seventy. Now it's down thirty. If I'm taking a shot, I'm gonna take the shot now. Jay, I'm really excited for you. I think this experiment is brilliant because in the criminal space, you need people with funds. And I don't see if you have reviews in the LSAs and you have reviews in the three, the organic below, that I, I think that this is smart money. And I think you may be ahead of the curve once again as far as shifting resources around, particularly in the fee-for-service space. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, you know, and, and the reality is, is that my whole career has been 
let's try something that other people aren't doing. Uh, and, and I've been successful probably more times than I've failed. I have failed a tremendous amount of times. But if you don't, if you don't yeah. take chances, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to really shoot the moon, you know? No, right. But let, let me just caution a couple things. LSAs aren't shown in every search. And yeah, they're not. You know, it's interesting. Three, I'm not getting yeah. any ticket business from there. I'm not getting any uh, expungement business. Both categories I'm approved for, and we're not getting. We're right. not even showing for those well, things because I don't think well, they're active yet. You need, well, you need three competitors in order for it to show. So the question there is: Are you going to leave those on with pay per click, given that there's no LSA yet? That it's it will be interesting to see what you do. You know, if you're because that's one of those ones. If you're really doing the A/B tests. It's it's not a true A/B test if in fact LSAs aren't running in a number of your markets. So I I, I what I kept on was my uh, uh, through the AdWords platform. I have some uh, video ads running pre unskippable pre roll YouTube branding ads. Uh, and since there's really no LSA of those, I kept those things running. Those are small dollar amounts, high high number of uh, uh, of views that I'm trying to get. But uh, but that's what I left on. But I wanna I wanna wrap up the, the this first part of the show um, and talk one last thing about recruiting and spending money on recruiting because I think it's something that we need to think about. You know, as we have gone through uh, there and. I've gone back and forth. I was talking to one of my partners today about the need to bring on another lawyer. And the question was, do we do it in-house, post an ad, see who comes in? Uh, Do we have a recruiter do it, knowing that the recruiter is going to cost some money? I know you've been in this situation before. What are your thoughts? Because, you know. Look, apropos once again, look, I have an in-house person that does work for me. She places the Indeed ads. We built the firm on Craigslist. You probably heard me say this before. We don't get our we don't get our people from Craigslist currently. It sucks because we literally built an eighty-five person firm using Craigslist. Indeed, very expensive. I think an antitrust suit is coming because they allow anybody to click. That's the most frustrating part. So for you on this, you either are Connecticut barred with criminal defense experience or you're not. So to me, this shouldn't need a recruiter, at least not anytime soon, right? You have your own network. You put an ad out. If you do criminal defense, there aren't that many jobs for somebody with experience doing criminal defense, right? The issue comes for me is when there's something that's more sort of that, that is more general and that there's either the, the paralegals in the, in the injury space are, are a commodity. Because the as you know, more and more people got into the PI, there are opportunities to make money doing different things. Now, with work from home on, on this job, it's made it easier. But when you want somebody really good, it is hard to bring those people in. And so to me, I always bifurcate between, hey, if it's so definable, you can get to much of the market yourself. And if you can't, if you try for like four months, you don't get your right person, fine. But for you, market knows you. You, you put a sign saying, hey, we got an opening. You're going to get word of mouth, social. It's going to spread once you do it. Frankly, that's how we built our practice and how we got our best criminal defense lawyers. The, the, the issue becomes when there's something that is more precious, and we have a few searches out there, um, I have not been able to, to land Virginia family law lawyer that we love. We've kept that position open without taking the cases, literally just giving away the case to other lawyers for quite a while because I can't find somebody I love. And I'm like, 
okay, well, if I'm losing opportunity, we, we, we have a great online presence for it. We get calls for it. And I'd rather, rather just making somebody happy with a referral. I'd love to have somebody. I know I could make that into probably a high six, if not a seven figure practice over a couple of years. But what do you do when you've tried everything? And that's the question is when, you know, when is it okay to be paying 20 percent plus or minus to an outside party who frankly is doing what you're able to do yourself most of the time. Um, and I, I always feel like, Hey, we look, we've been in this, we've talked about it. Like, Hey, are you going to do this yourself? Cause it's a lot of money, you know, and you know, for an $80,000 salary, that's 16,000 plus or minus it could be 16, $20,000 person stays for a year. That's, that's a heck of a lot of money. That said, you have something where having an extra iron in the fire and I, I'm, I'm jaded because when we needed a, a uh, an ops person, we, we went to it, and what I found was every single person the recruiters brought us, we also got ourselves through Indeed. So it was it was just one of those very – we're not like big law where nobody wants to raise their hand and you have to get this person with the right supreme chips and cold call them and get it. That whole ethos doesn't exist in our world. Right. If you do criminal defense and you want to work for Jay and you put an ad out, those people generally will raise their hand. Um, and, and, and if they don't, you, you're one person away from them sending a test balloon over. So I, I, I it, it's one of those areas I don't constantly, it's, it's emotional, right? You don't have who you want. You want to sort of bring the recruiters in and the recruiters bring you the same stuff you're getting yourself. You know, that, that's the frustration. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, and it also comes down to a, uh, a decision any has to make about is this something that you can handle with your current bandwidth um, like is this another thing that you can put on your plate I've systemized or systematized whatever you want whatever word you want to use the hiring to some extent because we have our you know what tests they have to take we have what we will write in our ads where we will place them I mean if I turn to my VA or, or, or my administrative assistant and say hey Get this ad up. We could have it up, but you know, it, it, by by three p.m. today, um, you know, and, and and start getting clicks. But the question is, is is it going to get you anything better, uh, or do you use that recruiter? You know, is it a good recruiter who's actually going through and saying, you know, this is not the right person for the job, even though they may look on paper, or is the recruiter you literally know, I, just sending you volume? And if they're sending you volume, what 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 help yeah, are they? So doing? Like, I would argue that anybody who's relying on a contingency recruiter, which is most of the recruiters we're going to deal with, not a not a retained one, that anybody dealing with a contingency recruiter who's counting, telling you when you don't want to hire somebody, that that's like you know going into a fashion store and having the salesperson tell you, you don't look good in something. That's just not happening. Right. So the the reason that you use the recruiter, in my opinion, is to find people not on the market. If they have people in their database they can reach out to that you can't, great. That's very, very valuable because, look, there is a truism. You want somebody who's not in the market, right? So when you place an ad, you're only getting people who are looking. And that there's a whole school of thought that you never want to place an ad, that you only want people that are already at an existing place and happy. And somehow the, the, the thought of working for Jay is so great. And that's why we use very high incentives for our people. We go up to, you know, 500 and some months as much as $1,000. We pay it out like, you know, quarterly or or, sem- or in, in two payments. But we want people internally. Our best hires come from people who are friends and family who want to work with us. We love that. But there are times specific that you can't get that. I can use, The more general the, 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 the position, the easier it is. And look, as you become more established, but one thing that I've seen, and I, I just wondered to get your opinion on it, 
we place a lot of ads. Now, originally, one of the things I loved about it was on Craigslist and other places, you'd have all that link trust juice coming back to your site from all over the web. But put that aside for a second. I do it because I always want to be recruiting. But there are people that spend their lives on recruiting sites, including current employees. That's one of the things that blows my mind. When we place ads, the it is not uncommon for our internal employees to comment, not to comment on the there, but there are people that that's their that's their side hobby. It's their living vicarious. Like you and I might look at like club med websites to determine where we want to go next. There are other people that literally are looking at job boards constantly. Not and then they're not going anywhere. These people have been with me for years. Right. But the 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 point is, do you think that there is a negative? I'm somebody raised that raised their hand and said, Hey, you have so many ads out for different things. I also don't believe in one ad and that people may be looking for different things for the same position for me. They call it different things, they think it of different things. Do you think you can get to the point where you are saturated enough, where you have so many ads that people think it's high turnover, not because you're creative and how you're trying to recruit? Well, I think that's certainly something that could could be an issue, um, especially if they're going from your ad to maybe like Glassdoor and reading reviews about your firm where they're only going to see, for the most part, you know, negative reviews of people who may have had problems and have been forced out or, or chose to leave. Uh, you know, those are the, you know, those are the people that tend to go on sites like Glassdoor and leave reviews. So, so then you're sort of in a, in a real sticky situation, but I, you know, if somebody can do some research about you, uh, and, and find out the size and breadth of your operation, I would be surprised if, uh, you having many things out this way, somebody from applying. Uh, you know, I, yeah, and, and that, that's my feeling. You, you can't like, unless you're out, unless they find out about you. Um, and that's also a good thing to conclude on just making sure that you're always cognizant of not just glass door, but indeed, um, you know, it's funny. I, I put so much focus on making sure that glass door was, uh, you know, w- was in good shape that totally forgot that indeed was even out there. And it's a nut like to me, given that indeed is so powerful, um, and probably could be an entire segment on their show is best practices of using indeed, uh, maybe we could bring some experts on because it is so important to get value because the clicks are so expensive. Bless you. <laughs> See, folks, this is what happens when someone goes to Florida and, and now gets exposed to his allergies again. Instead of me sitting, you know, in my little studio here, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not sneezing because I'm exposed to flowers and pollen like you are. And I got to tell you, man, I, I don't feel for you, but but bless you there. And, and I hope that you do well. You, you, uh, may, you, and, may, want, you may want to cut that out to the audience. doesn't have to see me wiping my. Uh, no, 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 no. This is fun as well. This is the raw deal. This is this is live, baby. This is how we are. You know, I'm not going to go back in. Maybe for a replay, I'll take it out. But but this is as live as it comes. You know, that's just the way it is. Okay, so uh, last but not least, uh, I want to talk quite quickly about the death of somebody who was monumental in the entrepreneur community, and that's Tony Shea from Zappos. Shea, Shea. I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm butchering his his last name. Uh, but he died this weekend after a house fire in Connecticut. Uh, it's certainly under investigation now uh, and we'll see what that has turned into he wrote an amazing book called delivering happiness and he uh, you know he he was an interesting story in that he went to Harvard he was selling pizza slices out of his room uh, built uh, built a, a dot-com company uh, and sold that then took all that money and developed it into Zappos which then was acquired by Amazon but he stayed in a uh, in a management role there uh, and really sort of built a culture that was really unbeatable. I can remember the story of uh, a, a woman 
uh, calling to return shoes that her husband had bought, but she didn't have a packing slip uh, and didn't know how to get them back to the company. Uh, but her husband had died. That's why they didn't need the food. They didn't need the shoes. And so Zappos sent her flowers uh, as part of just the, the customer service person. And that was just something that the woman was taken aback by that a company who was actually going to lose money on a transaction would go out of their way uh, to do. And, and, you know, his book, Delivering Happiness, is going to be covered by Ryan. And I don't want to get into all of his stuff, but uh, we're going to we're going to take a break now. And then Ryan's going to come back and talk a little bit about uh, the book, Delivering Happiness, because I think it's a, a, a good message for a lot of people in our service related business. I mean, he was what he was is he was selling a commodity through a service-based business, a customer service-based business that happened to sell shoes uh, and, and, and other retail goods. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good book that Ryan is reviewing this week. It's certainly timely. Uh, and so why don't we take a quick break? We'll hear from our sponsors. When we come back, Ryan will do his book review, and then we'll come back and we'll be able to wrap up the show. Sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. We'll be right back, folks, with some more. Maximum Live. The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet. And there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the FirmFlex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like, and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about. All for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Hi. It's Ryan McKean, and I'm here with this week's episode of Just Book It, and I'm going to be discussing Tony Shea's Delivering Happiness. Tony Shea was the founder of Zappos and an amazing entrepreneur by any measure. Tony died over the weekend here in Connecticut, tragically, in a house fire. Now, over the years, I had read a lot about Zappos, a lot about a lot of articles about Tony, about their principles, but I had never read his book, Delivering Happiness. So on Thanksgiving break, I figured it would be a good book to pick up and discuss with uh, you all. And it really was. I mean, the book, like a lot of these books, it tells the story of, of, the, of the CEO, founder, Tony, and you know, weaves in some real good lessons about business. And specifically, I want to talk about two of those lessons. And the first lesson is 
about delivering happiness and about how if we are as business owners are able to deliver happiness to our customers, that is the ultimate advantage because everything else can be copied. All of your systems, all of your marketing can be copied, but really the things that cannot be copied are your customer experience and your team. So those are, those are the two critical points. And delivering happiness to your clients is should be part of the focus of any firm. And we as lawyers have great opportunity. And I know, you know, you may be saying, well, look, I'm, I'm a criminal defense lawyer and how can I deliver happiness to my clients? Well, I mean, Zappos sells online shoes. So if they can do it, you can, because I think what it does is it involves a process and not an outcome. So the process is of treating people like individuals, listening, not rushing to get them off the phone, sending them birthday cards, surprising them. I mean, we have a, a client who had, you know, has a pet iguana uh, who just came aboard and our client happiness director just sent that pet iguana a holiday costume um, from Amazon to, you know, to, to, to the client, uh, again, just to show that we listen and we care. So throughout the course of representation, we all have these opportunities and we should be taking them because the, the, the thing that really um, drives profit and drives growth isn't necessarily just investing in marketing. It is investing in experience. And one of the examples that Tony gives in his book is that, you know, they were out one night. It was very late. They were in a place that they weren't normally in. And this is sort of before the age of all cell phones. And they wanted a pizza. So what they did is they called Zappos at 1 a.m. Uh, they spoke to a customer service rep and wanted to find a place where pizza could be delivered to them or would deliver pizza to them. And the Zappos rep didn't hang up the phone. The Zappos rep listened, found places to deliver pizza, and made the recommendation based upon online reviews. And again, how many people call our law firms and we're not the fit for them? You know, how are we servicing them? How are we treating them? Are we able to turn them into fans by providing that level of experience that's simply not um, replicable uh, by, by other firms? They talk about how the phone is actually your best marketing tool, even in this age of digital, of, of answering the phone, of reaching out and calling people, of listening to people, of not rushing to get off the phone with people. So using that phone to provide customer experience is a way in which you can win, drive revenue, and drive profits. And Tony also talks about displaying the same level of care and delivering happiness to your employees because happy employees are employees that will produce. They will be able to provide a, a fantastic customer service, client service experiment, experience to your customers and will help you thrive. So really, you know, I, I, I want the, the sign that's on my, on, on my desktop at work is always, you know, focus on product and focus on team. And that's really the point of Tony's book, which is focus on what you're delivering. Focus on those opportunities to really, really impress your clients, to really make them happy. Because at, at, at the end of the day, you know, happiness is at, a, is at a premium. 
and a lot of businesses and a lot of firms aren't going to invest in it. So absolutely read this book, honor the legacy of Tony, and think about ways that you can make your clients, your employees, and yourself happier. And in the long run, you're gonna drive your profits and grow your firm in a way that's sustainable and organic. Thank you. Hey, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Guild members get so many benefits, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the Guild to check out all the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the Guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, just a phenomenal book review by Ryan. Some great stuff there that you can talk about culture, just how to focus your firm, Seth. We've had a great show. You know, we started strong. We've been going strong. And I got to tell you, the next couple of weeks, we've got some phenomenal guests. Who do we got coming up this Thursday? This Thursday, we got Jerry Parker, who is sort of one of the original online marketers. He's done it online. He's done TV. Uh, He is just one of the – I entered the space who was just – so intense and just watching how he operated was just awesome he's the one who spun off smart advocate out of his own law firm uh just a force to be reckoned with and uh honored to have him uh join us this thursday yeah i love it you know folks if you want to catch any of our interviews you can always catch us on the maximum lawyer uh uh, podcast we are syndicated through them through maximum lawyer media we also have uh our own standalone podcast and you of course you can always watch any of these shows in repeat live on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Maximum Growth Live. And then, Seth, we have a December to remember, not only with Jerry Parker, who's coming up, but after that, we've got to get you, – you broke out the Rolodex, you made the calls, you made the connections. And I got to tell you, in just prepping for this interview, uh, I've had to read a book again for like the 10th time. It was really easy to do. But this get is going to just blow people's mind. What do you think? I, I can't I can't wait. So we'll, we'll tease it for the week. But uh, we are super, super excited that uh, this show has gotten traction where people are, uh, you know, you know, contacting us and wanting to join in. So th- this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one, folks. So stay tuned. Make sure you turn into us this Thursday as we tease out and we'll let you know who's going to be on the show next Thursday. A lot of great stuff for you. But for now, I'm Jay Ruiz, Seth Price, and we are Maximum Growth Live. Bye for now. Have a great day. We'll see you on Thursday. Bye, everybody. Oh, 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 oh,